Thank you, Everett. I am convinced that I would be a better man if I read and internalized that passage from 1 Peter 1 every, every morning. Let's, uh, let's pray as we approach God's Word together. Lord, when we think about this lively hope, the, the living hope that you have extended to us through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, your Son, God, we are overawed, as we've sung already, about your goodness to us. And when we think about the inheritance that awaits us in, in Christ, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, God, we just gawk that you would choose us. When we consider your glory and the goodness of your presence, though we've not seen you, Lord, oh, how we love you. And know that one day we will be united with you forevermore in your presence with fullness of joy. And so, God, we just say thank you as we gather in worship. And, and we ask now as we turn our attention to your word that you would guard us from error, Lord, that you would guide us in your truth, and that you would bubble up in the hearts and the souls of your people a joy because you indeed have been good to us in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, today we begin a new sermon series. We'll be walking together through one chapter of one book, Hebrews chapter 11. And we thought this was appropriate, specifically coming off the tail end of a beautiful Easter season where we consider the, the death of Christ for our sins and his resurrection uh, to victorious life. Uh, Hebrews 11 is a remarkable passage that really does give us a beautiful and unique perspective. Specifically, Hebrews 11 gives us a working definition of faith. And then after essentially bottom-lining faith for us, it gives us example after example of what that faith looks like lived out, boots on the ground. So th think about that for a moment. Just consider what we have in Hebrews chapter 11, sometimes called the honor roll of faith or the hall of faith, is we've got the Holy Spirit of God leading the writer of Scripture to help us understand what the substance of faith is and then what it looks like on display for us. To, to say it in another way, in Hebrews 11 we have faith defined and faith displayed. What a beautiful thing after we consider home base, the cross and the empty tomb, to say, okay, well, what, what's this look like for me? Whether I'm just beginning my relationship with Jesus or whether I've been walking with him for years and years and years. What's it look like for, for me to sink my roots deeper, uh, swim uh, deeper into the ocean of God's love, if you will, and to live that faith out. So let's, let's read together. Over the course of the next couple of weeks, we'll be uh, picking apart Hebrews chapter 11. We start today with a working definition of faith, Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 6. Let me read. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, that is by faith, the people of old received their commendation. 
By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. Through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Right, well, my goal this morning is to leave you with three simple biblical takeaways as we think about how to frame our faith on the the back end of this Easter season. So I'm going to ask that you help me out here. We're going to give you an outline for the message as we work through these first few verses of Hebrews together. So take your dominant hand, if you will, whatever hand that happens to be. Probably your right for most of you. I'm picking out the lefties here. Take your dominant hand. Here's what I want you to do. I, I simply want you to point it forward, straight ahead. Be a physical demonstration. We're going to begin by looking at how faith is forward-oriented. Now, I want you to, to take that same hand, and I need you to kind of look back over your shoulder and point it backwards. The thumb is great for that. Okay? Our faith looks forward, and our faith also looks backwards. One more thing. We're going to consider here in Hebrews 11 how Scripture teaches us that our faith looks upward. So you can point upward. Forward, backward, upward. This is where uh, the Lord would have us look, the posture of God's people, if you will, as we consider our faith and how we position ourselves before the Lord. Let's take a closer look at verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith, we read, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, on a scale from one to not to I guess a very big deal I don't know what you would call it I would consider that statement a very very big deal what's happened here in Hebrews 11:1 1 is that scripture's giving us as we've said a, a working definition of faith this this verse isn't comprehensive it doesn't spell out every element every nuance of what faith is and how it works but but this is, as it were, uh, 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 the essence of what it means to believe and to exercise faith. This word faith that's used here in the New Testament is the Greek word pistis. And it simply means, it's a very simple concept, it means trust. Pistis, faith, means belief. It means having a confidence or an assurance in something. And yet, There's something else at work here as we consider biblical faith other than just raw belief or or a confidence that something is or, or it is a certain way. Biblical faith also has an unseen element to it. After all, in order for it to be faith and not just present reality, this belief that we hold, this pistis, needs to be placed in something that is not 
presently visible, at least not fully, something that's not fully manifest in the here and now. Look back at verse 1. What what is the faith the assurance of? Well, it's the assurance of things hoped for. What is faith the conviction of? It's the conviction of things not seen, Scripture tells us. So there's an element to this faith, this belief that we hold, this confident conviction of what is that we can't entirely realize in the here and now. That's why Scripture tells us elsewhere in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we, the people of God, walk by faith, not by sight. There is a day, friends, when we will be at home in the Lord's presence, and in that day, as the hymn writer so aptly puts it, our faith shall be sight. But until that day, the Lord has designed us to believe in that which our physical eyes don't always, or at least not presently, see. We understand this, don't we? The Lord gives us great assurance in big ways and little ways in our lives through, through many things, through many avenues, but there is much that we still have not seen. We were talking about this in the ladies' Bible study this morning. I typically don't attend the Bible's, ladies' Bible study, for the record. I was invited uh, for, a, for a purpose, a Q&A this morning, but we were talking about how God's ways, Isaiah, are so so much higher than ours, as higher as the, high as the heavens are above the earth. So high, so great, so much greater are his ways, his thoughts, than our thoughts. This faith that we hold, we see, we experience, it's, it's real. We have this confident assurance in it, and yet there is truly an element of it that we don't see, that we have not yet realized. Let me bottom line it for you. Get, get a little personal for you. I'm a pastor. I love Jesus. And I have never seen him. Never once. Have I had a, a personal, physical encounter with the Lord whose life who defines my life and my eternity? Be willing to wager that many of you would, would say the same thing. You believe in Jesus. You've staked your eternity on it. But you've never seen him. Yet all your hope is laid up in this person, in this God-man, Jesus, who who died for your sins and, and, and rose again. Friends, this is the stuff of faith. We hold a conviction. It's been said before that a, that a belief is something that you hold, a conviction is something that holds you. It's that confidence, this confident assurance of things that we don't fully or completely see, at least not yet. So the point is this. There's an element to biblical faith that looks forward. It's part of what it is designed to do. Friend, your faith has a future orientation. This, of course, is a major emphasis all throughout the Scriptures. Let me just give you two simple examples. I'm not going to explain them for sake of time. I'm just going to read to you God's Word. And I want you to consider as we read together these beautiful truths, these unshakable truths 
the future orientation to the faith that you hold, Christian. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. The Apostle Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, get this, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Do you see it there? The the future posture, the future orientation to our hope. When do you cash in, Christian? Well, here and now, there's an element of our faith that is already here. Our eternal life with Jesus begins the day we're reborn in Him, and yet, we don't fully walk in all that is ours in Christ now. We're craning our spiritual necks, as it were, yearning for the full redemption that's coming. This is the future posture of our faith. One more. Romans 8. Man, if you want a dose of joy and some encouragement this week, read through Romans 8. Let me give you just a snippet. Romans 8, verses 22 to 25. For we know, Paul writes again, that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth till now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. Why? Well, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he sees? Excuse me, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let's pull up for air for a minute. We've been, we've been talking about, as we consider faith and, and, and what it means, this integral part of what we hold, what defines us in Christ, as a looking forward. Friends, this is why, let's get real practical here, this is why this future orientation to our faith that we must look different from the world. This is why, Christian, you are to be in the world, but not of the world. Your priorities are not to be the same as those who are not in Christ. The way you spend your time, Christian, it's not supposed to be the same as those who aren't oriented in Jesus. The things we value, followers of Christ, ought to be different. Why? Because all your hope is wrapped up in a different place. It's wrapped up in Jesus and, and, and His priorities. The inheritance that you have, your heavenly zip code, if you will, is not here. It's not 15301, or we were in Scenery Hill for a while, 15317. Is that still right, James? No? Oh, man. Never been a numbers guy. 
It's not home. I guess it, it makes sense. You get what I'm saying? We have a hope laid up somewhere else. So when you measure the stuff of our lives, that ought to be different. It ought to look qualitatively different than someone who is not following Christ. Think for a moment as we crest the Easter hill and pause just to, just to consider these baseline realities of our faith in Jesus. What would, what would your colleagues at work say about you? Extended family members, perhaps siblings or immediate family members or your spouse. What would they say if they could just look at your life objectively? And the way that you spend your time, your, your, your resources, that your priorities, that your affections are cut from a different cloth than the world. You ought to be able to see that. If, you're, if your life has a future orientation, gosh, I hope the way that you spend your moments and your stuff looks different. You're called to be set apart, holy. And that's a part of this future faith orientation. Let's keep reading through uh, Hebrews 11, verses 2 and 3. We'll bite off the next chunk. For by it, the author of Hebrews is still talking about faith, for by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. So what's, what's the author of Hebrews doing here? Well, he just finished telling us how faith, at least in part, points us forward. But now he's showing us also that we are connected. This faith that we hold is connected. It's tethered to the past, that which is behind us. Friend, your faith looks ahead by definition and it looks back. Your, fo- your faith points back to what God has already done. I mean, look at verse 3 for crying out loud. Where does it take you back to? To the creation. Part and parcel of this faith is, is understanding that, that the God who made the earth and sustains all life can do anything verse verse three gets us thinking about god as creator as as the uncreated being who's the source of all things and then the the entire rest of the chapter follow me here the entire rest of hebrews 11 is littered just look ahead is littered with example after example of people people who lived generations centuries even millennia ago. What do we have? By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Rahab. On repeat all throughout this passage. What's God doing? Well, He's orienting your future faith not just in what's ahead, but also what's behind you. The way that you can, you can rightly figure out how to express this faith 
is contingent upon who God has revealed himself to be, who he's shown himself to be, and his faithfulness of old. Important side point. I think some people can erroneously think as they're reading through the Old Testament that that the way God relates to his people is fundamentally different then than the way that he relates to his people today. How are people saved? How are people right in the eyes of God in the Old Testament? Well, they just kept the law. They just obeyed, right? That was the way they were right in God's eyes. No. God has always only ever related to his people by grace through faith. God's approval, friend, has never been contingent upon works. Look at, the, look at verse 2 again. Look at that word commendation. These people of old, presbyteros, the, the elders of old. Some of your translation might say, it might, might say the ancients. These people, Abel, who lived at the beginning. How did they relate rightly to God? By faith, they received their commendation. The word commendation means approval. How are they approved before God? Not by their good works, but by their faith in God. Who He is and who He, who, who he said He is. The good works flow out of faith for them just as they do for us today. Even in the Old Testament, those who trusted in God were approved, were commended on the basis of their faith. It was their belief, friends. Look at all these examples that we're about to wade into over the coming weeks. It was their belief, their unwavering confidence in what they could not see that they were commended for before God. Listen, just like you. Just like you and me. And that's kind of the whole point. Your faith is made up of the same stuff as theirs was. You're serving, after all, the same God in Christ that they served before they knew Jesus' name. So, what do we do about this? We, we see quite simply this, this belief, this confident assurance, this, this forward orientation that we hold to God is tethered to what's behind us as well. What, what ought we to do about it? How do we be doers of this principle, this concept that your faith is their faith in the same God who works and has always worked the same way. This is like ABCs, right? This is super simple. Here's one thing you can do. Read the Old Testament. Crying out loud, Christian. Read the Old Testament. I think we... Oftentimes because the, the culture was so different and we're, we're shocked by what happened or, or just the, the dissonance and, and the lack of understanding that we have as we, we comb through uh, those pages, we can often just distance ourselves and kind of to, to dust it off, to, to distance ourselves from the Old Testament. According to the Bible, you want to know why the Old Testament was written? For your hope. Listen to this. Listen to the New Testament Talk about the Old Testament for a minute. Just one, one verse. 
You might want to write this down. Romans 15, 4. It's been a while since you've been digging into God's revelation in the Old Testament scriptures. Romans 15, 4. This is the New Testament talking about the Old Testament now. Uh, the, the writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul says, led by the Holy Spirit, whatever was written in former days. What's he talking about? The Old Testament scriptures. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures which scriptures now the ones behind you the old testament scriptures he's saying you might have hope friend wading through the revelation of god Yes, even before the Messiah, before Christ, and seeing his people relate to him. People with fragile faith, people with the same skin on that you've got. Seeing their failures and seeing God work through them for the sake of his glory and their good. We'll do a body good. We'll do a soul good. Your hope, Scripture says, is ratcheted up as you look behind you and are bolstered in your understanding of who God is and, and how He operates. You want to grow in hope, friend. You, if you, we could all use an extra dose of hope. The Scripture's Rx for you is look back. Look back over your spiritual shoulder and see who God has shown Himself to be so you can take courage and encouragement for today and another simple uh takeaway now not not at the not at the expense of reading the old testament scriptures or, or any scripture for that matter is is this simple this simple takeaway I've got, I've got an example for you this one's a doozy this is a book written by john piper a helpful pastor and theologian it's called 21 servants of sovereign joy i've got a picture of it there on the screen what is this this is a biography Friend, you want a good dose of hope. You, you, you want to understand as you look back over your spiritual shoulder how to relate better to God. Well, just begin reading the account, certainly in Scripture, but even in life and the history of missions and, and, and the church, seeing how God has graciously worked over time through the course of history. You don't have to be a history buff. Your faith will be bolstered. You'll be encouraged as you see God show up time and time and time again. He's the God who was. That same God is the God who is right now and will forever be. Yes, friend, in Christ, your faith looks ahead, but it looks back too. And some of us have got spiritual atrophy because we never look back over our shoulder to take courage and encouragement from what God has done behind us. Our faith looks forward. Our faith looks behind. And our faith looks up. Our faith looks up. We'll get there in a minute. Let's, let's keep combing through our passage. Verse 4 and 5. We're actually going to hop over them a bit. We read them just a moment ago. They really detail in like one verse apiece two different characters from the Old Testament. We read about Abel, and then we read about Enoch. Now, we're, we're, we're going to ch choose on purpose not to drill down on these guys 
this week, because as we comb through this chapter for over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to take them one at a time. Next week, we'll really camp out on Abel, go back, we'll flip back, as Scripture encourages us to the Old Testament, and find hope by reading about Abel, whose blood, by the way, still speaks. Are you listening? Enoch will follow the following week, and I, and I hope, our prayer is for you as we just begin taking a look at these people and faith lived out in real time in their lives, that your relationship with Jesus would blossom and bloom as well. All right, so, so we'll, we'll backtrack to verse 4 next week. Let's, let's hop ahead now to verse 6. This is where we leave off. Hebrews eleven six. We'll read it again. And without faith, it is impossible. Is it possible to please him, that is God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And I love how the author of the Hebrews just spells it out here. The, this epistle, he says, listen now. Bare bones. No fuzzy interpretation. It is impossible. That's a strong word. You can't do it. It's impossible to please the Lord of heaven and earth, to please God without faith. It cannot be done, friend. And if you're going to draw near to God, he tells us, you've got to first believe that he exists. Well, that would make sense, right? They're pretty, pretty basic. You've got to have a starting point of God's existence if you want to please Him. But here's what else you've got to believe. We read in verse 6 that this God who exists is a God who rewards those who seek Him. This faith that we hold in Jesus, friends, is a seeking faith. His faith isn't just about keeping the rules. His faith, his Christian faith, isn't just about showing up to church. It's certainly not just about avoiding the really bad, egregious sins that the world can get, can get wrapped up in. Here in Hebrews 11, as faith is being defined as it were, the Holy Spirit leads the author of Scripture to remind us that your faith in Christ is intended to be a seeking faith. It's about intimacy with the one who made you. For himself, by the way. For his glory. I want to read to you just a, just a slice of what the psalmist says in Psalm 27. Just to give us a reminder afresh in Jesus that this relationship with God that we have is not just duty. Oh, it's duty. He's God. He's Lord. He's the potentate of heaven and earth. But it's also delight. Listen to the psalmist. Psalm 27, verses 4 and following. The psalm writes, psalmist writes, one thing, one I have asked of the Lord of Yahweh, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty 
of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up. And my enemies, above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Listen, he says... You have said to God, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. This is a simple message today. But I just want to ask you to take out a spiritual litmus strip afresh this morning. And dip it in your soul. Ask yourself, does this sound like you your faith in Jesus looks forward your faith in Jesus ought to look it's tethered to what's behind you but it should also look upward it's your chin up Christian we sang it just a moment ago he is so good Better than you know. Better than you have a compartment in your brain, in your soul to comprehend. And He's yours. We talk about Psalm 16 all the time here. And in His presence, God's presence, is fullness of joy. Joy has a location. It's got a zip code. And, and He knows where it is, even if I don't. Joy's location is in the presence of Almighty God. This isn't complicated. I'm asking you all over again this morning on this beautiful sunny day. You're thinking about lunch. You're thinking whatever you're thinking about. I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you. I'm imploring you to behold the beauty and glory of the God who made you. Who has every cell in your body marked. And who in Christ has offered you his life, assumed your death, the punishment for your sin. That God wants you in his presence forevermore. And he rewards you. Listen, this is what the the author of the Hebrews tells us. This This is faith 101. He rewards those who seek him. Some of your translations say who earnestly, who diligently seek him. You're wondering why the ESV leaves it out. The word isn't there in the Greek. But that word seek is an earnest word. It kind of connotes this striving. It's just writ large throughout the Scriptures. If you have beheld the Lamb of God who takes away your sin, you've, you've been ruined to the things of this world. We sing it in that old hymn, don't we? The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Our faith looks forward. Our faith looks backward. Our faith looks upward. Because after all, He, the one who purchased us with His blood, He's the promise. 
The thing that's so good about heaven isn't just the streets of gold. It's not that the, the tears from your eyes get wiped away. It's not, from, it's not that you get reunited with your loved ones who are in Christ. The thing that, those things are amazing. But the thing that makes heaven so good is that Jesus is there. And he's yours. Does this sound like you? At all? I mean, we're all convicted, right? I'm convicted. Does your soul respond to God as he's beckoning you? Seek my face. Do you echo back in earnesty? Yes. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Man, I want to run here at Friendship Community Church with people who are seeking the face of God. I think it's appropriate that we finish where we started. Everett read to us from 1 Peter 1. Let me just echo again where we started. Though you have not seen Him. You haven't, have you? I haven't seen Him. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. That's faith. You believe in what you haven't seen. You, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As this was a simple message today, and it's intended to be that. Sometimes we need a gut check a spiritual gut check, to look at the, the substance, the stuff of our faith and say, Lord, am I positioning myself rightly before you in Christ? Is my faith looking forward? Is my hope not in my 401k, not in how my job is going, not, not, not how self-actualized I am in my romantic relationships, not how, how seamlessly my family is getting along, but is my hope stored up in heaven where you are? It's a forward-looking faith. Do I know as, a, as I'm walking through this dark life that's just swirling and the wheels still feel like they're coming off, a, coming off the collective global bus, do you take hope, friend, looking behind you over your shoulder? Because that God who delivered then, is the God who is today and will forever be. Do you look backwards and do you just spend time spending time with God? As we crest this Easter hill and as we begin over the course of the next several weeks to examine these exemplars, these, these examples of faith, may God help us to shore up the areas of our own lives before, before Him in a way that builds joy and hope and peace. Seek Him. Look forward, look backwards, and look upwards. He's calling you to more. We're going to end by singing.
tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And so as we, as we pray, I want to, I want to prime the pump. Let's, let's sing with real sweetness in our spirits because of what Christ has done for us. Father, we thank you for your love, for your power, and for these simple reminders on this beautiful, glorious Sunday morning that our relationship with you, God, is everything. God, help us by the power of your Spirit. We can't pull ourselves up by the spiritual bootstraps and do it right. We've tried a thousand times. Lord, would you help us to look forward and draw strength because we have it good in you. Would you help us to look backwards, Lord, and and gain hope and perspective because you, the God who has been, you're the God who is right now. And God, would you help us to look upward and find our highest our only joy, centered in who you are. Do it here at Friendship Community Church. May we sing now of the sweetness of trusting in Jesus, our Savior and King.